Uh, hey, Keith Giffen. That That's you, right? Hey, that's me? Yes, it is I, Keith Giffen. C- come into my office. You know, I'm the head of DC Comics. Yes, here I am. Would you like me to get the door? I, I hear you have... No, you're not my butler. You're you're the writer. I, You know, we're hiring you to do a new book for us. Yeah, but I, would you like me to get the door behind me? Uh, sure, yeah, whatever. Just just come on in, please. Okay, here we go. But... By the way, can I stop doing the voice? I was just kind of... No, you got to stick with it now. Okay, yes. All right, so I, I hear you've got a new pitch. We're, we're sort of doing these, um, these Hanna-Barbera books, you know, that DC and Hanna-Barbera, we go way back. I've heard that you have a really fresh, cool, new pitch for Scooby-Doo, and I would love to hear it. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, I'm super excited. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm very excited to tell you this uh, pitch I've got for you. Um, look, I, I feel like I'm starting to get into <laughs> offensive territory, please. I, I started off doing... Why did you switch accents? Look, I don't... I can't keep the same one. I'm not... Like, I'm a writer. I'm not an accent guy. I was just being funny. We work together. Okay, look, I got I got a I got a pitch. It's Velma's a mad scientist, uh, and uh, she works for a mega lab corporation and releases a virus into the world. This is Velma from Scooby Doo, and uh, Fred and Daphne are running like a supernatural journalism ring thing, and Scooby and Shaggy are dumb, and Scooby has you this. You hired. I'm 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 hired. You hired. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Mr. Trump, I feel like your accent has changed. <laughs> Mr. Trump, newly minted president of DC Comics, his, could say something else. Because I'm because I'm doing Donald Trump via Dead Kevin. Oh, is that what it is? It's multiple thought, layers. Doing, and this is Kiwi Donald Trump, is it not? Or is that I'm I read that because I read I heard you hired, you hired, you hired, you hired, you hired. Oh yes, yes, you hired. <laughs> Welcome to welcome to, to DC, DC Comics. All oh, oh, right, yes, with the Scooby Dudes. Scooby Dudes, uh, listeners, yes, listeners. We should can we we should maybe bring them up to speed if they're not. You are listening to a podcast called Scooby Dudes. It involves two best friends talking about their favorite meddling kids and their dumb dog too. And this week we're actually covering a comic book. If that wasn't apparent, uh, that comic is scooby apocalypse it's uh, a combination dc and hanna-barbera production that involves the whole scooby-doo gang in an apocalypse scenario and i laid out a couple of the little premise bits can i can i put that in a tighter little box for us here if i may please the first issue which we already covered some episodes and episodes ago showed us that velma is working at some kind of mega lab corporation where she's developing this serum or this virus that's supposed to make people docile uh, nanites nanites is what, they are. is what they call them um but at the end of the issue we find out that it turns virtually the whole world into monsters except for the gang um fred and daphne are trying to investigate supernatural mysteries since that's daphne's thing fred is kind of her lackey slash punching bag cameraman cameraman also carries a camera for her and scooby and shaggy work for the mega lab corporation scooby is testing out some dog communication equipment and shaggy is his handler um these people all meet uh fred and daphne meet everyone else for the first time as this crisis hits and we find out that velma is somehow involved in it and again we ended the first issue with everyone becoming monsters does that sound like a good pitch we get this to print yes Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doo's. 
So what some of our listeners know is that we tend to space out um, covering certain uh, Scooby-Doo television shows. So for example, 13 Ghosts, we sort of do it every 13 episodes. Mystery Incorporated, I think it's like every 11 episodes. Um, the last time we covered Scooby, Scooby Apocalypse was July 24th, 2017. That's over a year ago. It was also episode 15, which means it was 50 episodes ago. Whoa! Oh my Meaning gosh. that the next time we cover this, it will be episode 150. Wait, we're going to continue this? We're going to keep every 50 episodes? I don't know if I feel like that's too long or if that's too short. Because I think we've said, we. I really personally, at least I did, ragged on this series the last time we covered it. Listeners, I'll tell you now, the reason that it's been so long is that I keep pushing it off. I keep seeing it come up on our schedule, and I tell Evan, I don't want to do it. Let's do something else. And I, do- I will tell our listeners, Luke has never said that to me. I put it in our schedule, and I have moved it forward by at least four to six weeks. Every time I'm just like, I'm not up to it. Not this week. Really? We'll do it next time. Do it. I, I keep like, moving it forward. I feel like I have been whining and moaning about it, but I guess that you haven't. But for this morning, for this episode... I am glad that we get into it and we're getting it covered again. I think once per year and then some is a decent enough rate. So I think one thing that is important to mention about um, Scooby Apocalypse, and and in addition to the fact that they are all kind of like modern, and I put that very loosely, young people. Yeah, this is like what your grandparents may think modern is, or at least what your like grand uncle thinks modern is. So are we going to talk a little bit about characters now, I take yeah, it? Yeah, well, I mean... And design, I maybe, the personality? Shaggy encapsulates it best. Hipster Shaggy. Shaggy has um, a mustache that it looks like he waxes. Yeah, it looks very cared for. It looks almost like st- a strongman mustache, you know, like heavily curled. And he's got like tattoos on his arms. It's... Yeah, it's, it's like modern circa before this comic book came out. Yeah, I mean, he's wearing a V-neck shirt. He's got like a plaid uh, long sleeve shirt over that. He's got great hair. I can't take that away from him. Everyone in this series has great hair. Um, and Shaggy's not... His cowardice isn't really a factor of his personality because the events of Apocalypse are so scary that it's a normal reaction. If, if, if you or I are in... We're in this world and i was talking to a friend about this recently because we were watching like zombie movies at her place and mm. like if i was in like a zombie scenario i don't have the constitution for that that i you mean like you can't run long or fast enough no, i i mean like i don't have like the fortitude for that oh, I don't, like i like emotionally emotionally like, just seeing people like mentally uh eating each other would like you're like okay i'm done i'm out i can't deal with that i was like in that movie you know, like when a zombie like grapples with you. In which movie? Um, uh, we saw a Japanese movie called I Am a Hero. Okay, uh, then but no, in I any don't zombie know movie. But in any movie where the zombie grapples, oh yeah, where you've got the teeth gnashing and you've kind of got like the arm on their throat and they're just like nearly biting you. I can't imagine doing that once, let alone multiple times. Yeah, I mean, I think it's there's two different kinds of zombie stories. One is. The one that makes you feel powerless, that makes you feel weak and scared and all this stuff. And the other one that's kind of a power trip, you know, where it's like, oh, now I've got an excuse to dominate other humans and I have no ethical obligation to be nice. Um, kind of like that survivalist dream. And I think this series got, dips in a little bit to both of those. I, I think it would have been nice if 
if Shaggy's cowardice did play a bigger role, because I think like, oh, the world is monsters. As you said, issue one ends with um, them showing above ground because the gang is in an underground bunker called the complex. Yeah, and they're in a specifically in a little safe zone within that bunker. Um, but above ground is all monsters, and just the idea that like to be paralyzed a little bit by the events that are going on, I think makes sense. And it's just like, sure, some people are going to react with, as you said, like, oh, this is like a new world, like I can do what I want. And some people are going to be like, I'm petrified. I I can't see myself existing in this context. Yeah, and I think it's that might sound to some listeners a little more adult than this series wants to be, but this series does want to be adult. It's just not as savvy as I think it could and should be. Um, for instance, there's a lot to be scared of. Everyone is expressing valid logical fear, but there's not. it's not framed in a way that makes a ton of sense, and I think we're going to get into that. Anyways, that's Shaggy. He's not a real coward. He's just kind of a hipster dude who's, I guess, a little bit of a slacker, a little bit of a space case. There's something to be said, and, and this is definitely going to crop up a lot in our covering of issue number two, but there's something about like, oh, what is a strong female character? Someone who is literally physically strong, right? And not just strong. Strong could mean you bench a lot or you can like lift a lot of weight. Strong means you hit people hard. You strike them in their faces hard. <laughs> yeah, like your Xenas, your... Uh... Charlie's Angels's, etc. Your million dollar babies's. You didn't need to do that with million dollar baby. <laughs> do you think I could have, could have stood without? I will say Daphne million dollar babies Velma in this, and we're just lucky Velma because it's a cartoon gets up and walks it off. You're, we're, we're lucky that there wasn't an overturned stool behind her, is what you're saying? Oh yeah, yeah, we're, we are lucky. Um, but there is. There, there, I think there is an attempt, as you said, to say something and to make decisions with strong female characters in this series. I don't know if those decisions pull off quite off, quite well. I think what we came away, and, and I say we dive in right after this, but I think what we came away from mm-hmm. issue number one, just being a, kind of appalled at how contentious the relationships were between the members of the gang. And I think we noted that it does take some time for things to cohere when you're bringing a new group of people together, especially a group that you expect to see already friends. I'm watching Daredevil right now, so I'll make a comparison to The Defenders. When we're watching The Defenders, we know everyone's supposed to get along and get together by the end of it, just like with The Avengers, a much better example to use. But we still need there to be a journey towards that togetherness for the togetherness to mean something. Here... We don't see any of that journey. All we see is the contentiousness, and there's nothing running underneath. It doesn't feel like there's momentum towards togetherness. And it, and it is particularly jarring, because our shared experience with Scooby-Doo is that they're friends. They like being around each other. They're doing this because they enjoy each other's company. Yeah, and if they're going to start off with antagonistic relationships, let's at least make those relationships fun. Let's make those ones where they're playing off of each other, where there's some give and take, where there's light ribbing. But, you know, like as with any light ribbing, that can come from a place of affection or interest. I think to, as you said, pivot right to the opening of this, we open in on five force completely static panels of a red door that is not opening as the gang members talk to each other they're not quite the gang members but as they start talking to each other 
using each other's names so that we really know who's talking. Who's who. Mm -hmm. Who's who. And digging at each other in ways that aren't really funny and aren't really aren't really exploring anything about them. I don't know. What do you think of those? I don't mind it. It doesn't necessarily strike me as lazy, but I also do think that... I mean, it's it's hard for me to, to really love the dialogue because, again, it is just a bunch of... a group of people bickering amongst one another. They're bickering, and they're reducing each other down to their m most simple qualities. Um... Velma reduces herself down to say, I'm a scientific genius. I don't do manual labor. I'm not going to move the door. Daphne is the alpha female who's just always going to be pushing hard and kind of attacking people verbally and physically sometimes. Shaggy and Fred are just pushovers. Yeah, they're, 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 they're kind of, they're betas. The joke that is explicitly, like, that's thrown at in their faces throughout the issue is that they're betas. And it's not, I say joke, but they're not really doing anything with that. It's just kind of an insult thrown in their face. Kind of like pulling someone's pigtails, like as if it's affectionate, but it's really not. There's nothing else there. Uh, I do also want to say that um, last issue, issue number one, was called Waiting for the End of the World. This one is called Apocalypse Right Now. A little bit of a play on words. Um, here's here's my thing, and, and you said that, you know, they're not making a joke of it. I think that that's really important to note, because to me, and, and I'm sure for you, mm. Scooby-Doo is a comedy. I completely agree. It, historically, it is. The original series is a comedy. I don't think there's a single Scooby-Doo series that's come out that has not been a comedy or had strong comedic elements to counteract the horror elements it might have been experimenting with at the time. And and so what I think is, I, you, you can do bleak you can do dark um and and i think a version I, I think a good example of someone who does it very successfully would be like afterlife with archie hmm. which is uh you know yeah. uh, archie comics riverdale there's zombies there are like no jokes in there but it's like really grim it's like really dark with this i think because it doesn't have like that the artwork is is kind of is bright you know what I mean? Oh, it's vibrant. It looks, uh, to look at the colors alone, this is a really interesting comic to look at. Some of the layout and action decisions aren't always very clear. Not my favorite comic in that regard. But uh, squint and it's a feast for the eyes. And, and I think that's the thing, is that it's still very, not which isn't to say that um, Francesco Francovia's work on Afterlife with Archie isn't comic booky, but it is in a different way. You see that artwork and you're just like, oh, this is dark. This is grim. You see the artwork of Scooby Apocalypse and you're like, oh, this is comic booky. And I think comic bookiness sort of suggests a, a little bit of levity. And so I, mm. what, what I think with this whole like, oh, we're stuck behind a door we can't get out is use that to create humor. There's something about the whole like, yeah. uh, Scoob, can you not do that right now please or like you know like the implying maybe scooby's licking himself but it's behind a door that's funny uh that is a better idea than i think we see in these first pages i completely agree we're here at the doors and we should probably move on from these first four panels but um they managed to get out crack out of it we see our characters for the first time and they're exploring this facility there, there are a few additional details for one um Velma mentions that this whole nanites thing shouldn't have done anything. The nanites were released, to be sure. That is a thing that did take place. As you mentioned earlier, um, the original plan was for these nanites to uh, take away 
or diminish a lot of the negative emotions that humans can feel. I think, have you seen Firefly or Serenity, I think is the I more have. important one? Mm-hmm. Um, then this is kind of like the virus of the serum that's referenced there. It's intended to make people docile and um, get along a little bit better, but it actually makes them ultra-violent. Here in this case, it makes them literally monsters. And, and she's saying that although the nanites were released, they should not have had an effect because all four lead scientists in the Elysium project needed to like key things in. Oh yeah, they needed to each like do a simultaneous turn of the key to activate the nanites. That said, Velma is whistleblowing a case that she wasn't in the loop on. She thought these nanites were going to do good. She found out there were some other plans with them, and that's why she brought Fred and Daphne in on this. But clearly she's not fully in the loop, or she would have had no need to do that. Part of the conflict in this series, or in this issue, is Velma saying, I'm trying to do good, or I'm this genius, I'm in charge, I know what to do, I'm trying to help. And Velma, excuse me, and Daphne not believing her. Velma was the one who originally contacted Daphne Blake and got her to um, go and and investigate. And she could not have, as Daphne points out, reached out to CNN or the BBC because there are eyes everywhere watching. Right. If I took this to them, they would have killed the story immediately, presumably. And I then would have been under close scrutiny. I couldn't have brought it to anybody else. So when, when I'm in my office um, and I want to take a break, sometimes what I like to do is I like to find a corner and I like to stand there sort of with my shoulders hunched up and my head down just as a way to take a break from my work day. Are we talking about what one of the characters is doing in one of the panels as everyone else is talking? Yes. Oh, this dude. Okay. <laughs> you know what? One other thing before we get to that dude. Uh, one page up where Shaggy is saying, with all due respect, Doc, what doesn't make sense? Can, do you see that panel? Um, I can open it up right now. Oh, I'm sorry. There's just a lot of times where it seems like the art and the writing were not on the same page, or quick decisions were made against that. For instance, Shaggy's talking to Velma, and we see Velma visibly responding to him with hand gestures. I do see that. Mm-hmm. But not saying anything. And then in the next panel... She's saying something that doesn't match her previous expression at all. It's, it feels almost like someone was given all the art for this, and then they were told independently to write a story to go along with it. Uh, that would be like the, um, the Marvel method of doing comic books. Oh, really? So the original Marvel method, when it was like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and like other artists, is that Stan would give um, the artist the broad strokes of what took place in a comic book. Just like, like, oh, this happens and then this happens, but like really broad. And then they're here and, and then, then they would draw the, the whole issue. Wow. And then Stanley would go in and then put all of the words in. This has that kind, it feel, it has that kind of j- disjointed feeling where I think what's being said, you would, you would draw things differently to match that. And what's being drawn, that doesn't quite look like what's, what people would be saying for that. It, it feels like a bit of a mismatch. One thing that's also a bit of a mismatch is that I don't, I don't typically, when I need just like a quick five in the workday, go stand in the corner, facing the corner, with a giant... So that's just me, then. That's just you, but I assume you also have a giant, swollen, misshapen head that's like elephant, elephantine in size, visible... Well, yeah, when I want to take a break, yeah. Yeah, when you want to take a break, you do that. And so that makes sense that Kramer, the chief of biotech, is doing that right now. And I, I hate to... I don't hate to, but I'm going to rag on them for the action a lot here. Because Velma approaches Kramer, who's definitely a monster, 
Definitely a monster, like 100% Definitely. a monster. You can tell that before he even turns around because he's like a dead space monster from behind. You can tell it. She like walks up to him and is like, hey, Kramer. He spins around, and I will say I like the design. I do like the design as well. He has like a, he sort of has like a large, gigantic, round, bulbous head. No features besides like a sarlacc mouth. Purely, yeah, chrome dome and sarlacc mouth. That's it. You're, you're completely right. Uh, he spins around, he's roaring at uh, uh, Velma, who says jinkies, but then she runs past all the rest of the gang, and no one else, like, sees that she was, doesn't understand, like, no one registers what happened. Am I, is that weird of me? Yeah, it, and it's not like people are so far. It's not like they're, like, meters away that they can't tell. No, we just had an establishing shot showing they're all in the hallway together. Then we hang on Velma as she approaches this guy. He turns around and we have such a clear moment of him like growling at her. It doesn't make sense that we have then three panels of the gang not reacting at all. Yeah, Being like, they're just kind of like, oh, what? Where's the, where's the Doc running off to? Shaggy says, wow, Kramer must be one tough cookie. Fred says, Doc, where are you going? Anybody know what jinkies means? Like, it's like during that scene where Velma confronts Kramer, we're supposed to assume that everyone else had a separate conversation about the latest episode of Westworld or something. I don't know. I, I do think that there needs to be some elements of the characters that are preserved in order for them to be recognizable. And which is to say that when Velma is walking up to approach Kramer, Scooby starts to growl at him. And actually, after she runs away, Scooby leaps at Kramer and knocks him down. Yeah, he, he Which, pretty much saves everyone. You, you know what I don't understand is after he knocks Kramer down... Okay, this is what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, 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 man. Weirdest listeners, buckle up. Buckle up for this part right here. Scooby knocks Kramer down, is a little surprised, taken aback, afraid of the fact that Kramer has a gigantic maw with multiple yeah. rows of teeth. Multiple rows of teeth, there's this pretty gross hiss coming out of the mouth, and we see these little bubbles around Scooby's head. You see in those? They're like little emojis. What's one of those emojis? Uh, one of them is a, is a poop. Just a little poop. One of them is a poop. Now let's move one panel forward. Now we see all of Scooby jumping off of Kramer here. I will note we see his whole, we see his whole body. We don't see anything ploppity plopping out of him. <laughs> And yet, there is a brown text, sound effect text, that says, ploppity. Ploppity plop. Plop. <laughs> Three Ps. Um, and then and, and Shaggy says, Scooby, that's gross, but given under the circumstances, totally understandable. What just happened? I think we're supposed to have seen Assume. Scooby poop on this monster. I think we're supposed to assume Scooby just pooped on this monster, but the weird thing is, they gave us a full shot, like, it, they could have implied that Scooby pooped on the monster by just showing his front half, but they showed his full bottom half. And I hate that I'm scrutinizing Scooby's butt looking for poop, but I'm doing it, listeners, and I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing jack shiz. Yes, uh, Scooby, that's like, gross. But, given the circumstances, totally understandable. Everybody runs away. There's also another monster that shows up, which is kind of like green, has a mouth, like a toothed mouth in its torso. Yeah, almost like a Tengen Tapagurin Lagen uh, thing. And also like kind of yellow. I gotta say, I love this second villain. Here's here's my thing. And and I understand that it might have been tough and, and you might have run out at, at some point. But, but do you remember 
in issue number one at the very end there were like some werewolves kind of and like demons and stuff sort of mixed yeah. in with all the monsters each monster by the way listeners each monster looks radically different from the others there i don't think we've seen two it's, alike it's yet. not so much like dead space where they're all like it looks like they've all undergone the same mutation necro, i don't know yeah this is like a kaleidoscope monsterfication like it's genre skipping mon- like we saw mummies in the first issue and i think we called that out like why, how did they become ancient Egyptian royalty yeah. that was then, like, ceremonially like, embalmed, yeah, embalmed and disemboweled? Yeah, and so it's not super logical there. But what were you, sorry, what were you getting at? I, I will say, and, and I think neither of us, we have quibbles with the action. We have quibbles with the character design. I don't think any of us have quibbles with the actual art itself, especially the coloring. I, I really don't. I think the coloring is great. I think the line work at times can be a little labored on the hair and the clothes, but... In general, this is a treat to look at. Uh, until I get to the point of trying to decipher what's going on and what it means for the characters, I love looking at this. The art on the covers as well is gorgeous. So, it, I, I'm, I'm not criticizing the artist at all, um, but, but I will say I think it would have been really cool if the first monsters they come across were takes on original Scooby-Doo monsters. You know what, you're right. There's a bit of a lost opportunity here. There, it would have been a safe assumption to make that a lot of the people reading this comic are fans of Scooby-Doo. That's why we're reading it. You don't have to make it about the original Scooby-Doo monsters to give us a little something, to make it worth our while and reward us for our longtime viewership. Yeah it, yeah, it just seems like such an obvious choice. And I know that the first monster was like a knight. That might be hard to translate over. But may, like some other kind of ghost or ghoul, like like the creeper. I was going to say the creeper is so easy. Um, the, the space cuckoo would have been tough. But then again, we're in a lab. So there's a lot of reasons we could see different outfits. Um, and that's all to say, we've, these two monsters don't look reminiscent of anything from the original series. The, the two monsters are kind of chasing them, and they actually end up fighting one another. There is uh, this whole thing with the gang, and I'm just going to call them the gang. I know that they're far from one at this point. But that's it's the easiest way to refer to it, whatever you like. Yeah. Where um, Daphne, sorry, Velma had run off and had grabbed a fire extinguisher to defend herself. And then they're sort of, well, Daphne specifically is lambasting her for running and, and leaving them to die. Yeah, saying, like, how could you do that? And that's where Velma says, hey, Kramer was, like, the closest thing I could call a friend in this office. We played chess during lunch. Seeing him like that did something. I, I had to go, um, and I thought this fire extinguisher would be a good weapon to bring back. By the way, are you seeing that fire extinguisher as Daphne's holding it? I do see it, yes. That is so gorgeous. That fire extinguisher, I'm not kidding, listeners, is my favorite part of this series to date. This was also kind of, for me, an unresolved Chekhov's fire extinguisher. Oh, Chekhov's fire... No kidding, man. They, like... Daphne holds it up to the viewer as if... I think the artist just is really good at fire extinguishers and knows that's his wheelhouse. Also, like, Daphne's Daphne's character just stays at this place of constant anger and frustration and taking it out on the people around her. When she's criticizing Velma, Fred jumps in and says, Hey, we gotta trust her. We have no choice. She then turns on Fred and starts yelling at him. And and she raises her fists as if to strike him, as if she's about to punch him in the face. And he's he's holding up his glove, and he has reason. I think she cold-clocked him in the first episode. She so we definitely did. We're not wrong to think that she might do it again. From there, we're looking at the, uh, kind of like the consoles. We're looking at the security cameras with Velma as she's uh, kind of looking at the situation around the facility. It's really gross, and actually, I would even say scary. 
I'd say it's it's straight up scary. The I I say it verges on body horror for this I would, series. It, I would say it doesn't ver- it's body horror. There's yeah, I'm, there's I one mean, shot in particular where in the foreground in the background we can see um, all of these hallways in this facility, there are monsters crawling all, all over them, and in in the foreground, more of like a zombie esque mutation where it kind of looks like a person, but they have like bulbous growths on their face and and their a distended jaw. Yeah, it looks like someone overlaid like five different bad diseases on him. As to the other side, there's what looks to be a normal scientist with his face like crumbled and that like cracked dis- off. Very gross. That's actually it makes me a little queasy. And in the background, we see other people who are at various states of monstrification. I think that's the thing that makes it body horror. We very much see the human being that once was in this monster. And, and the gang is sort of noticing that people are being eaten. It looks like not everyone was transformed into a monster. Some of these people are monsters. Some of them are still humans. Unfortunately, the humans have all been killed and are currently being consumed. Mm. Um, one note real quick, some of the levity that kind of... <laughs> something I think that's intended to be comedic relief is that Daphne says, they're on every floor, in every lab and conference room. Shaggy says, zoinks. Daphne, zoinks? Is that anything like jinkies? And then, are they eating those people? And then we see like people consuming a body on the ground. Like again, the joke, if that's what you can call it, does not match the heaviness that we're trying to lighten here. All that we're having is just to call out, hey, zoinks isn't something people normally say. That's not quite enough. I want more. Um, what I think you might have been getting at ultimately is that we do see some people who are not changed. They're all murdered by this point. But uh, somebody does say, why haven't all the gang members changed? You'd think at least one out of the five of them would have become a monster. They, they do mention that they were in a hermetically sealed portion of the facility. That's why none of them had any nanites, I guess, or something. Um, they're like, okay, we got to get out of here. They come across a weapons cache. Cache? Cache? I don't know, man. I was hoping you would. I would just leave that to you. Um, and and so they're all packing. Excuse me. The panel where they all are packing and they're looking out into that hallway, felt like the first real moment I was invested in this series. Like, I'm pretty excited about each character packing heat and like, checking doors and corners, going down hallways, looking for monsters. This felt like the first moment it it kind of got to where it wanted to go, where maybe it should have started out. It, it is a really good shot because because since they're all so close together, it does look like they're relying on each other and that there's a certain amount of security in, in their being a group. And, and I agree, it sort of communicates this idea of like, yeah, these guys are in it together. And, and it, like this sense of we're about to explore this dangerous, um, kind of incredible world because the facility is a treat to look at. And so again, I, like, I wanted more of where I felt like it was going here. I don't know if it fully does. Um, uh, but then all, we've got... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. So of all the things that they could have preserved from, like, actual Scooby-Doo canon, it, it, and, and, and as we've said, it's not, like, their personalities, it's not, like, the, you know, uh, there's a lot that hasn't been carried over. What they did decide to um, bring over <laughs> is the fact that... Yes, the monsters talk? No, it's the no. fact that Daphne says she is used to uh, wielding guns and firearms and whatnot because... Uh, she grew up around them her whole life because uh, she's an, an heiress of the Blake Bubble Bath fortune. You're right. I forgot. That is canon from the original series. Not only that she's an heiress, but specifically a bubble bath fortune, 
we covered that specific episode. Yeah, so it's just like, oh, so this is this is what you decided to carry over. This is the important thing. You felt like, look, 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 we gotta keep the bubble bath fortune, but let's get creative with whether or not she's physically abusive. That's what people want us to recreate. But, oh, bubble bath fortune? I wouldn't want to cross a fan by erasing that from history. Uh, they need to get out. Um, Velma tells her that there's no need to act like a common thug. Her being Daphne, because Daphne is getting in her face. There's a lot also, of... Also, by the way, at that same moment, Shaggy is kind of mirroring Daphne's pose, but is saying nothing. He has no place in that panel. Why is he looking sh- down, literally down, at, at Velma this way? With his mouth open as if he's talking, but Daphne's the only one saying anything. And I want to say, even if I was given this art sans a single bit of story direction, I would at least think to put something in Shaggy's mouth so he looks less awkward there. Say in his mouth? Put something in his mouth? I would put something in his mouth. I would put a rose, maybe. <laughs> in fact, I think that would be better. Oh, excuse me. I, I should be more positive with this because it wasn't an unpleasant read, but it was unpleasant to see them doing things with these characters I felt like they didn't have to do. Shaggy says, let's try the garage. It's like, okay, fine, let's let's do that. I you know what I don't like? I I can understand in a in a zombie movie where someone maybe their head is down and their hair is sort of obscuring their face and someone is like, "Hey, are you all right?" cuz that's not unfeasible. In a zombie movie, zombies typically are still biologically human. They just um are reanimated to some degree. It's not like they've morphed into something completely inhuman as Becky has in this case. Shaggy's like, Becky, is that you? Becky is like a visible part mummy with like alien-esque insectoid features on her head when and Becky her hands. When Becky sticks out her arms, her hands are brownish, but her forearms are purple and scaly. Yeah, like so reptilian. I also, and this is the part that I was going to say they kept from the original series, is the monsters talking. Her dialogue is incomprehensibly, I don't know if we're supposed to be scared or laughing, Becky, is that you? Yes. Uh, are you all right? Actually, <laughs> I've never been better. <laughs> she... <laughs> what do you think? Is that a pretty good Becky? I, it's good. I, it, I like it because it makes me think of um, of the guy from Men in Black, D- Vincent D'Onofrio's character on Men in Black. <laughs> sugar, more sugar. <laughs> But this is like uh, as it like the silliness of seeing that men in black dude walking around the street and people treating him like normal Except if you knew that 99% of people had become monsters Uh, And so it's weird to see her talking. It's weird to see people pretending like she's not a monster Before she leaps out and cracks Fred on the noggin knocking him out or at least disorienting him There I've got a few things to say about this lay it on me for one. I don't like the fact that as we mentioned, Shaggy's talking to her like she's a normal human being. Although, he, really quick, I, sorry, I want to cut in here really quick. Maybe, maybe he thought she was normal because she's got like these perp, these purple and like, and orange arms, very similar to his sleeve colors of his tats. Oh. Maybe he thinks she just got inked up, and he's excited for her. I'm curious as to what Becky was wearing prior to her transformation. It looks like this looks like a ball gown. That then got yeah, torn it's, up. It's a, a dress. Bunch. It's a hundred percent a dress, and it is in. It's tattered now. But I was like, you were in an office workplace, and this is like, like you said, a gown. And in the first panel where we see more than just her hands, we also see that she has like a bow on her head, 
a children's bow, what you would put on a baby. Oh, wow, you're right. And she's got a purse over her shoulder for, I think, the whole fight scene. Yeah, here's 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 what I want to touch on next, because you brought it up. They're monsters. They talk much like Scooby-Doo monsters, but they do it in a mm. way that I find very frightening. Um, I don't know if you saw... So this is sort of like, this is Train to Busan and also uh, that movie that I saw, I Am a Hero, that when people turn into zombies, when they're still sort of fresh zombies, there is a certain amount of mental faculties that are stay with them for at least a part of the transformation. And they'll say things that are like very disturbing. And, and also, I mean, this also makes me think of a series mm. I will say, but I okay. don't want any of our readers to read. Because it was like one of the worst things I've ever read. I don't know. I mean, they're adults. Most of our listeners are adults. Um, it's it's Alan. I think it was Alan Moore or Cy Spurrier. I th- a number of people have written in the series, but it's called Crossed. And Crossed is a comic book series in which there's a virus um, that gives you a, a a rash, a red rash in the shape of a cross over hmm. your face, um, and it basically just makes you like a monster of a human being, like like people are murdering and like raping and just like being very awful. But since they're human still, they're sort of saying just, like, really hateful, awful things. Yeah, it's kind of worse than being a zombie because there's some part of the person in there. There's there's maliciousness. Yeah. Because zombies aren't malicious, they're just yeah, hungry. Yeah, they're, they're too dumb to really be hateful. And, and what Becky says is not unlike what a cross person would say. Because she's saying, like... Oh, Shaggy, like, I've seen the way you look at me in the break room. You're full of, like, these nasty, dirty thoughts. And she's like... Cru- and it's I like just- that it's, like, these nasty, dirty thoughts that have been crawling around in that teeny, tiny brain of your... It's like she built an insult in to her threatening statement. That is... there That, that mm-hmm. you know came from the person inside. But it's... It's disturbing. Like, that's not... There, there, if she was just a monster and she was just trying to eat him, it would have been like, ooh, scary. But the fact that she's sort of, like, taunting him with all of these, like, you know, like, this is the way that these are, like, your personal flaws and, like, you're, you're like, disgusting and I'm... Yeah, like, it's, it's like, I'm not just killing you. I'm killing you because you're a nasty little horny boy. And then, um... Then... Velma... D- Velma, who knows a lot, but not which way you hold a gun... <laughs> Look, you know, you know that you can pistol whip someone by holding it like an actual pistol, right? Yeah, holding it like an actual pistol, but holding the barrel and then swinging it like a baseball bat. Like not even like over the head. Like it's, there's so many ways that it it shouldn't have worked. And all the monster says is, "Why, Doctor Dinkley?" That wasn't very nice of you. Um, she knocks Velma away. Scooby. Excuse me. She swacked Velma away. Sorry, she does swacked her away. Yeah. Um, Scooby leaps on her. She uh, grabs Scooby and looks like she's going to bite him, at which point it's Daphne who has what looks like an M16 to cows her head right off. And also, the moment between the monster biting Scooby's face and Scooby looking all spiteful like, yeah, do it. I dare you to do it. Like, Scooby looks way less scared than he should look. I don't know how Velma, or Daphne, excuse me, I don't know how Daphne squeezed her gun in between the two of them there. Like, I'm imagining there's a forgotten third panel in between those two where she just kind of wedges it in between and, like, pries Scooby. Because Scooby, there's one single panel where it is Becky, her neck sort of, like, bared as if to say, yes, I deserve this, please execute me. Give it to me, baby. And the barrel of the gun. That from her and Scooby being locked in a perhaps loving embrace. Uh, And then, yes, as you said, Daphne Takao's... 
Becky's face. And and what I think is really, I would say that this is actually a little bit surprising, and and I think is you know like compelling writing for what it's worth. Daphne doesn't take her execution of the monster well. No, it's I I think it's giving her more of a character quality she doesn't need more of, in that it's angst and it's more reason to lash out at other people in the gang, but. It's realistic, and this is the one moment where it feels appropriate. For someone who's so angry and so willing to harm other people, and, and she has punched Fred in the face in issue number one, and in fact, soon afterwards, Velma is sort of reassuring her and saying, like, actually, you know, you had no choice. She was going to kill Scooby. Um, you, you know, this isn't your fault. You, you know, you didn't do a bad thing. Daphne then f- full-out cracks... Uh, Velma in the face like knocks her glasses off even. and it's it's such a ugh, I mean can we take panel by panel here she takows off Becky's head in the next panel let's just look at Fred's face let's just look at that dumb freaking ugly stupid curled lip mug Fred you do you like how he's he's pursed his lips a little bit yeah it's like it's like he just saw Becky get wasted and I don't know if he's just coming to after getting knocked out but he's like what? and then after that Shaggy is the one who's like you killed her, Daphne. She was nice and kind and a single mother with a two-year-old kid. That was Becky Davis. Yeah, it's just—it's this whole thing where it's just like both with Becky and with Kramer, we have to find out all their little backstories as if to be like, and, what a horrific thing this is that these people have become monsters. And my question is, what purpose does it serve? Because this isn't real life. They, they made a character decision to give this monster a kind of full backstory to tie that backstory to Shaggy to say that her death impacted Shaggy we're not actually going to explore what it means to Shaggy to be attacked by someone like that, but it all kind of serves to make Daphne feel bad, so she has an excuse to then get mad and clock Velma. It's it's so and contrived. Look, we're we're really getting in. We're going in on uh, Giffen and Demetrius and the other people who put this comic book together, but within and, and they do this a lot in actual writing, just like prose, like no pictures. But with comic books in particular, there's something to be said for showing and not telling. For example, if you want to show that a monster uh, maybe is was a family man or something like that, maybe you can show a mon- like just a shot of a monster walking around its office, and then there are like children's photo uh, drawings like on the walls of the cubicle or something like that. That way, you're just like, oh, this person is a monster now and bloodthirsty, but also has yeah. A and, and just rather than showing the three characters standing over the body of the monster, maybe show like. The monster's purse is open. A picture of the child has fallen out. Oh, yeah, that would be very good. Like, the more is beneath the surface that we still can understand, the more rich and bright it will be. We we don't need that much... Ha- I mean, this is already more of, like, a mature comic book. That's what I'm saying. And so yeah. you need to assume that your readers are able to discern uh, and, and not have their hands held. And, and if you don't think your readers are at that level, that's fine. I don't think every comic shouldn't be for every single person in the world. But acknowledge that if you're aiming at a lower demographic, you're showing a lot of blood and a lot of horror, and you're not really giving them anything that that demographic would want. So the, they find some vents. They're trying to make their way to the garage, as we said earlier. And as, as they're all climbing in, there are monsters behind them. There's a monster that looks like it has an octopus draped over its head. It's snarling and shragging and garring. And Fred's like, all right, everybody get in. Uh, Velma says, shoot them. Fred says, or sorry, 
um, Shaggy says he can't. He he gets guilty when he steps on ants or whatever. Fred says, uh, just go, just go. He he ratatats. <laughs> and then here's the thing. Um, someone asks, did you get them? Fred says, I don't know. I had my eyes closed, but I think I scared them off. But in the background, you can see that the monster has been killed. What's your reading of that? I I can't really tell if it's alive or dead because it's... I mean, it's static. It's just a panel, and it doesn't look human at all, so I can't tell what that would look like. Here's here's the thing. When Fred ratatats the monster, he has his eyes fully open. That's what I, I thought you were getting at, is that But he, he says, I had my eyes closed, and he also says, I think I scared them off, when the monster's body is on the ground. That is way more interesting than... I, I think they should have leaned into that a little bit more. Like So here's the thing. Yeah. I guess my question is, is this an art mistake, which yes. it fully could be? It fully probably is. I don't, I it think probably we, is. We've seen a lot of evidence of art mistakes. We have not seen a lot of evidence of this kind of nuanced, layered storytelling. But I want idea, it to be the latter. I'm with you 100%, buddy. Yeah. The idea that Fred is just like, oh, yeah, like it was just, an, you know, I don't know. I, I think I just scared it off. I think they ran away. Or especially for him being like, go, just go. Like he's shouting at the monster to go. Fred is the person who feels like even more than Shaggy, he's in over his head because he is muscle bound and he's toting a gun. He's at least trying to wrestle with this responsibility he feels despite his fear. We're coming right up on the end of this issue. One, one thing really quick. I want to mention that earlier in a fight scene, you're reminding me of it. When we saw those other two monsters, as we were leaving, they were also shragging and <laughs> garring at each other. <laughs> oh, such fun. But as we were coming up on the garage and therefore the end of the issue, I do like that we have kind of a, a, a series of dark panels in the vents. Like, it feels like it's kind of a tonal shift and opportunity to explore a different aspect of the characters. And I like that, those moments of darkness. I also think that the panels are laid out very well. I like mm -hmm. that it's just like, oh, dark panel, word bubble, dark panel, word bubble. And then a panel where they're walking past uh, one of the vents that op that sort of has a window, acts as a window onto a room, and we can see it's full of monsters. Yeah, like we just see a hand on the vent as they're crawling past it, the monsters underneath, and that glow of light. Like, it's compellingly drawn. And I, I think that's really good pacing, where it's just like, they're in the vents, it's dark, but every now and then, we there's light, and we can see into a room. I think that strongly communicates the movement that's taking place and that time is passing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's some good pacing decisions that are made. I think the moment where they're all leaning out of that hall right after they've armed up and when they're getting into the vent and that kind of lull in the vent, it's when the action hits that things start to fall apart. But I've said that a million times already. We go from the vents and do drop down or make our way into the garage with Krebs or Dr. Krebs's, Krebs's experiment. It's not. Uh, it's not a. It's not a motorcycle. It doesn't have two wheels. It's not a Krebs cycle. It is a very large. I, I guess a van, almost like an AT or like an ATV. ATV is what came to mind for me. I mean, it looks like a military ATV. It has six wheels. It has six wheels. It's got a lot of tech in it. It looks. I mean, I think from the moment we first see this, we're seeing the the mystery machine of Scooby Apocalypse. Well, in a really hokey way, and this I don't like. This was not smooth. This was not organic. We're not sure. Krebs was very secretive. Called it his mystery, mystery machine. machine. 
Yeah, it's very much on the nose. And the only thing that makes it look a little bit hippy-dippy, I think is maybe kind of a nice touch, is this little smiley face sticker on one of the rear windows. Yeah, the, the side. Side mirror, excuse me, yeah. They're just like, oh, where's Krebs? Krebs is dead, just like everyone else in this uh, in this facility who's not a monster. But and again, it's like we, we see his body, like, like torn up, maybe bloody, covered under some stuff, and like... That's a silent moment as Shaggy looks at his body, and then the next panel is him covering his face saying, damn. Here's what's... Like, it's so serious. Really interesting. And and which I think was good. I, I think I think one thing that this series has done a good job with, two issues in, is they've, they've established that there's a mystery that needs to be gotten to the bottom of, surrounding the Nanites, surrounding Project Elysium, surrounding uh, one of their own members, surrounding Velma, because she was deep in this. Yep, and uh, we as viewers, maybe not the gang, but we as viewers know that she knows more than she's letting on. We've had a couple of monologues in the first issue that told us that she's got more than she's telling. So this is adding to the mystery because um, Shaggy's saying it's it's not fair. Uh, Krebs only got back from sick leave a week ago. Uh, they put a pacemaker in. And so Velma's kind of like, actually, I'd like to inspect the body. And, and so maybe, this is what I gathered, there might be something to do with um, people on people who have physical ailments and the reasons they didn't turn into monsters. Maybe it's because they weren't hale and healthy. Yeah, I think we've gotten a lot of clues here. It might be because people have uh, one have a two year old child and they're a single mother. It might be because people play chess at lunchtime. Like all of this background info, I joke. I think you're right. That pacemaker is a clue. But the other two instances of backstory we got, I think, don't contribute anything. But there is this mystery that we're inching towards. And I, I can tell you, Evan, because I, ages ago, one year ago, read up to current on this series. It takes them a long time to move it forward. Hmm. Mm, unfortunately. But we do have our kind of twist cliffhanger ending here on the next full-page spread. They have not... This is It is a full-page spread, which means that the artwork is from... Uh, from margin to margin, uh, it is the gang looking up into the rafters, and in the rafters there are three monsters who say, um, uh, "Well, Ve- da- uh, Velma had just said, huh, hang on, that pacemaker. Something Shaggy said got me thinking about." And then the, one of the monsters is like, "No more thinking." Or no, sorry, what, what's your monster voice? No more thinking. Oh, Batman. Die. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Christian Bale. You're right. <laughs> I like it though. No more thinking. Only die. Rachel, where is she? <laughs> now we're doing Batman. We're doing Pete Holmes's uh, magnum opus. Uh, oh, and then kill them all. I there. I think the decision to make the monsters talk is a very bad decision. I don't think it works very well in this series. I, I just don't think that there's any consistency. Because yeah. the first monster they saw, Kramer, did not speak. No, he was completely monsterfied. The next I mean, monster... I maybe it's because he had, like, a sarlacc mouth, which does not look like it provides, like, speech capabilities. If, if we could translate it, if he was wearing one of Scooby's translator helmets, he would have been saying to Velma, I see the way you look at me in the break room when we're playing chess. <laughs> Ugh, smokes a pack a day, that Kramer. Um, but yeah, it does feel inconsistent in terms of what's the psychology, what's the mind of a monster? Is it completely just a monster? Is it they're kind of like a twisted version of themselves? Here, these monsters are kind of like villains. They, I, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what to make of it. Um, next, Terror Incognita. Join us again a year and a half down the road. Episode 115 we'll return to this if if you want us to return to this sooner if scooby apocalypse is kind of like you're really enjoying these recaps let us know for the moment that's the issue 
Final closing thoughts on this, especially compared to the first issue and what we expect out of the second. I think that third. this is really helping round out the characters. I think that they were pretty flat to start out with. It's nice to get these... Um, yeah, it, it's, it's nice that we find out that Daphne isn't the hard-ass that we thought she was. Um, that... I, that's really it. That's kind of that's kind of the main thing that we that we get more of, and and again, this this has the unfortunate what's the word I'm looking for not deterrent, but unfortunately there there are sort of some misconnections between art and writing. I agree, Evan. I think there's a disconnect between art and storytelling here that uh, diminishes the comic in a way that's a bit disappointing. Um. I think that's all the negativity I have to throw at this. I brought every ounce of it that I could, listeners. That's all I got. And, you know, I'll just, I mean, I'll just say, I'll try to focus on the one silver lining. It is a very good looking book. You know what? I want to say, take out all of the dialogue and this comic becomes infinitely more interesting to me. It really, because then you can sort of slot in your own. You can kind of, and there's like this aspect of like, what are they saying here? What is the dynamic here? Why did this person get upset at that person? You kind of make your own story. Um, anyway. Hey, uh, can I, uh, can I see you in my office for a minute? Yeah, boss. So I, I needed to talk to you about the last, uh, or really the first two issues of, uh, of, of Scooby Apocalypse that you've been writing. Uh, what, uh, what, what, what didn't you like about it? It's, it's not me. First of all, it's not me. This isn't coming from me. This is coming from two podcasts. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm just gonna go there. No, 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 no. Stay, stay. Hey, stay. No, but, 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 but you liked it, so. Well, I'm not the only person who buys this. I don't buy it. In fact, I get a free copy. I need to talk to you. There's two podcast reviewers, the Scooby Dudes. Did they, did they buy it? They, I'm pretty sure they both, at least one of them, illegally read it online, so... But the issue isn't really how they got it. The issue is what they're putting out about it. They're kind of dragging it hard in their podcast on a semi-yearly basis. And, uh, and I think it's really hurting our sales. Um, look, I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard some of this criticism online. Surely you have. Nope. Okay, well, I, can, I, I need you to go listen to the Scooby Dudes um, and, and like, internalize their criticisms. I want to see some of their input... Uh, reflected in the next issue but but boss yeah how could i follow up with the scooby dudes without F look stop, to stop, the stop, stop stop look just don't first don't do the voice i know your last boss required you to do the voice and that's hard to come off of but i need you to stop it what was your question uh my question was <laughs> really if i wanted to follow up with the scooby dudes holy crap how would i do that without without it or in addition to listening to their podcast okay that's exactly what i was gonna say um, let's start out with Twitter. If you want to reach out to the Scooby Dudes via Twitter, um, go to uh, tweet at the Scooby Dudes. Yeah, the, the Scooby Dudes. The Scooby Dudes. Yeah, look, it's a thing. Some other guy has Scooby Dudes, so they right, had to get. That doesn't seem fair to me. It doesn't. No, really. If that that guy should give up Scooby Dudes to these people. But anyway, you can tweet at them at the Scooby Dudes. All right. Where where else? Where else though? Uh, Facebook. Facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes. Like their page there. Maybe you can get in touch with them there. Maybe they have got some criticisms you can read. What if What if I don't have social media, but I do have an email? If you have an email, in fact, that probably should have been the first thing I mentioned for you to reach out to them. They don't get as many emails as you would think, and they love them. Uh, so email them at Scooby Dudes Podcast at gmail.com. All right. Yeah. What if? That should be all you need, but okay. Oh, well... 
I mean, I, I just thought maybe they might have like a website or something or like. Oh, you're you're reminding me now. Yeah, they've got a website and uh, uh, it's simply ScoobyDudes.com. You can go there. This to be clear, don't do this. This is not why you should go there. But there's like a lot of screenshots with funny captions and show notes and corrections. Don't waste your time on that. That's not your instruction. But fans love to go there and view those things. All right, but but lastly, I I mean I'm not I'm not super happy that they're they've been dragging my work, put a lot of work into it, a lot of my blood, my sweat, my tears, my urine into whoa, this book. Whoa, 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 whoa! And Hang on, you you're putting one in. There's a lot. The my blood, blood my blood, my sweat, and my tears. You're writing. Is this why your drafts come out so sloppy, so messy? I thought you just I, ate I like a, over I like them. a damp draft. Oh, this, is, this is different topic. To, what's your point? Well, I just are are they are they profiting from this podcast at all? Like, like do people pay to listen to this? Honestly, the legality is probably a little fuzzy because it's technically our IP and they are making money off of it. So, like, I'm having our legal department go after them. Like that. That's the next meeting I'm gonna have. But. For the moment, if you wanted to give them a little money just to if get... If I wanted, why would I give them money? Just to... Because you need to talk to them because you need to get their feedback. Um, and if you need to do this to get there, you can go to patreon.com slash scoobydudes to donate money on a monthly basis. Why Why would anyone do that? If you do that... Uh, well, you specifically would do that because, again, you're looking for feedback to improve Scooby Apocalypse, the issue that you write. Um, but... Other people typically do that because they like the podcast, they want to support it, and because they get original content specific to Patreon all the time if they donate that monthly amount. And they get a big shout-out the first time they donate and every subsequent week. Right, what if I what if I wanted to hear the names Look, of I, these Look, I'm going to cut you off really quick. This I liked your first voice better. The second one is intimidating to yeah, me. Yeah, boss? Yeah, there we go. Oh, I, I felt a little emasculated, to be honest, hearing that deep, deep voice. I see why your last boss made you do this. Sorry, go ahead. I was uh I was wondering. Mhm. How what if I wanted to find out the names of these uh of these patrons? Oh, well, they they shout them out every week. Um in fact, I was just listening to their podcast and they just got into the part where they shouted them out. Here, I'll play it for you so you can hear what it sounds like. Oh, there it is. That that was it. And and what if this last question? Yeah. What if I wanted to leave them a one-star review. How could I do that? Well, I, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure because they've never given instructions online for that. They're always asking for five-star reviews. Here, I'll tell you how to do the opposite of that because they're always giving instructions. If you want to, generally they say, go to iTunes, leave them a five-star review, and they'll read it on air on the podcast. So maybe you should leave a five-star review. That way you know they're going to look at it. Even if it's a criticism you want to leave, make it five stars so they'll see it. Well, well, Will they just read it? Oh, and keep it to themselves, or no? They'll they'll read it on air on the Evan, um, the uh, the less good looking of the co-hosts. He uh, will read it on air on the podcast. Uh, th- that uh, that doesn't sound right to me. Sounds no, like he a will read it. Real handsome handsome guy. He's I'm not saying he's ugly. Look, he's a handsome guy, but just I mean, next to that, <laughs> next to that other guy, Luke, it's hard, you know. Um, hard hard to what? Hard to keep up with that guy Luke. I mean, look at this picture online. Here, let me let me pull up a picture of that guy. Oh! Hey, 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 hey! This is not one of those times where your bodily fluids are needed to make a better product. Oh, excuse me. Actually, I accidentally pulled up a picture of Evan. Let me minimize that. This is Luke. <laughs> what do you think of Luke, huh? Huh? Don't just shrug at me. 
Just cut, just cut the yeah. episode just off. Just there. cut the. Okay, I know that's fine.